millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Neon, the podcast that takes pop culture and reveals the real history behind it. I'm Jem Daduchu, and right now I'm aware this is a podcast, but maybe you can hear a bit of rustling or movement going on, because I assure you, right now I'm doing something that tells you what this particular podcast is about. Yes, I'm flossing. I'm going to stop now. So what does that mean? Well, it's obviously on the title of this particular podcast, but I'm talking about Fortnite, the video game, which means I am going to have to talk a little bit about flossing, the dance move, which is perhaps the emote, if you like, or dance move that is most popularly connected with this game. But I'm also going to take you back. I'm going to take you back about a hundred years to a new concept in economics, and then I'm going to take you back more than 2,000 years to the realm of gladiators, because both economics and gladiators are vital in our understanding of this video game sensation. But before we get going, it's always worth pointing out you can keep the conversation going when this podcast ends. First of all, if you like this and you want to hear more, please go to patreon.com forward slash neon podcast and you can give us as little as a dollar a month, uh, a very small amount of money to just help keep this podcast going. However, if you're turning around saying, but I've got no money, Jem, well, you can always like or review this podcast on whatever app you're listening to. All helps to spread the word. And if you want to engage with us on Twitter, there's Neon Podcast and there's also me, Jem Daduchu. We do talk. We've had some interesting ideas and some people sort of giving some great feedback. Thank you very much for that. So without further ado, now let's get into Fortnite, the video game. You have been here for three and a half hours. Now, how many different ways do you want me to tell the same story? Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No. It's a pretty cool place. I'm impressed. 
How many questions does it usually take to spot? As your leader, I encourage you from time to time, and always in a respectful manner, to question my logic. Now to run a computer check on this tape and the professor. Dodge this. The tracks go off in this direction. There's probably some people sitting there going, well, yeah, you know, I play it all the time, and I, I, I don't don't get how you're going to get any history out of this gem and there are also quite a lot of people probably sitting there going oh i've I've heard of this thing what is it it seems to have come from nowhere and it has and it hasn't so i'm going to tell you about a a trend in video games that's really happened since the the rise of the smartphone because when i was a kid you had to go to a game store or maybe a wh smith's and buy a physical copy of a game because people were making physical games on discs, you had to pay for them. Then we've got the era of downloadable games, where suddenly distribution costs, in theory, nothing. And obviously there's the internet, which allows you to interact with this game. So once the game's out, you can change it and alter it and enhance it, or maybe get people to pay more for the game. So games were games for a very long time. But then, with the rise of the iPhone and other smartphones, people could download games all the time and, and get, get them updated. And so we saw the rise of something called freemium games. A premium game is uh, basically a, a high-level game. It's something like an Assassin's Creed or a Call of Duty. Big budget, big ticket, and you paid top dollar for them, but you got a full game. A freemium game was something that you got for free. And it was free to play, but there was definitely a, a view of, but you kind of got to pay to win. The classic example of this, and I spent about a year on this particular game is Clash of Clans, where you it's 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 very clever. The feedback loop on these games is is well honed to hit those endorphin dopamine triggers in your brain. So it's all very sort of cute with like nice little music, and every time or what you're doing in Clash of Clans, you're building a little fort and you're building troops to attack other people's forts. And you send your little guy in to start building. And at level one, it takes maybe seconds for you to, let's say, build your barracks. Then to upgrade your barracks to level two, it might take 10 minutes. To upgrade it to level three, it might take an hour. Level four might take five hours. Level six, it might take two days. And so there's the waiting game. Are you willing to wait all that time? And if you do, it's free. But if you buy some gems, which are real money, so they get real money. None of these freemium games attach a real price to these things. What they do is they cost something like 50 jewels, but it costs you, let's say, 10 pounds to buy 50 jewels. So if you really wanted to think about the value of this virtual little speed up, you could. But the idea is to disassociate it. It all still feels very much part of the game. And that works really well for the likes of Supercell, who are the producers and creators of Clash of Clans and Clash Royale and lots of other games. So, you know, this is big business. The area which I absolutely hated this, and I'm not the only gamer to say this, is when these pay-to-win products and sort of loot box type things have gone into premium games. I'm sorry, but if I've bought something like Battlefield 1 or Halo 5, 
I've paid top dollar for this game. I should get the whole game. I shouldn't have people throwing into my face, do you also want to buy these other things? That's another business model, get out of my face. But the thing about these freemium games, I said, is the more money you put into it, basically the quicker you win the game. The really clever thing about Fortnite is that the game is again free. But absolutely everything you buy in the game gives you no advantage to the game whatsoever. You could spend a thousand pounds or a thousand dollars and still, if you are bad at the game, you will be owned, pwned by somebody else running around in it. So what it is, is it's for cosmetics and I'll come on to those in a minute. But first of all, so Fortnite is a free game. Uh, created by Epic Games, and very cleverly, they've made sure, A, it's free, and B, it has low-level requirements. So it doesn't matter if, you're, uh, if you've got a laptop. It doesn't matter if you've got a desk computer. It doesn't matter if your computer is 10 years old. Any of these things will run Fortnite on them. And indeed, uh, you've now got iOS and Android version, so you can pick up and play Fortnite as you're wandering around. So suddenly Fortnite is there for everybody. It has a huge multi-million installer base into it, but it's always free. They make no money whatsoever. If you just install the game and play as is, they make no money from you whatsoever. And yet, in just one month in 2018, Epic Games made more than $300 million from this free game impressive? I'll tell you more in a moment. I mentioned cosmetics and I've already alluded to the fact the economics, but let's let's actually talk about what Fortnite is and also what it was originally. So Fortnite is a battle royale game. The idea is you are in this floating platform. It's actually a bus on a balloon, okay? And you go over an island and you jump out of the island and there are 100 other players. These aren't computer programs. There are literally 100 other people playing this map like you. And it is last person standing that wins. Now, admittedly, they change it a little bit. You've now got 50 versus 50 or squads or you and one other person can sort of link up or etc. So it's a little less bleak. But the fundamental idea of a battle royale game is that it's you against the rest of the world. And therefore, it's kind of nasty. And you might be thinking, well, if it's for everybody, Jem, why, you know, this sounds pretty brutal and bloody. And its heritage is because Japan had this had this movie, I should say, called literally Battle Royale, which was about school children being put on this island, and they basically had to blow each other to pieces, shoot each other. It's a, I believe it's rated 18 in the UK. It's very bloody. It obviously has some things to say about society, and uh, you, you can understand how you know, this, uh, that sort of idea of these school kids killing each other, that sounds a little bit familiar to some of the dystopian tween fiction that's been going on. Um, so, so yes, there's a bit of DNA going there. But the other thing that this is linked to is something called Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, or PUBG as it's called in, in the know, which is everything I've just explained about Fortnite, only it came out first, but it's grittier everything's sort of derelict and you've got things that are like you know, real looking shotguns and when you shoot somebody there's blood and they go down but the mechanics are absolutely the same as Fortnite. 
It's just Fortnite made it more colorful, made it more Disney. It's a bit like Pixar doing Battle Royale. You know, when you fall down, there's absolutely no blood and you can and you just pick up the piece, pulls loot and everything's sort of bright and colorful. Another game like Overwatch. Uh, some people have referred to Overwatch as uh, Pixar goes to war. And it's like, that's a pretty good comparison. But these games where, yes, they are first person shooters or third person shooters in the case of Fortnite. But the the idea is that it it's it's about skill but it isn't trying to intimidate anybody with the violence level however fortnite was not originally that game it was uh, being created by epic games and uh, it had a soft launch already and it was a base building game where you and a small squad of people fought against wave after wave of enemies. It was a horde mode. When you when it's a gr- group of real people in a game against lots of uh, of computer generated programs trying to attack you, that's called a horde mode. And nobody was talking about Fortnite. But then PUBG came out and it was breaking records in terms of uh, amount of active users on something like Steam and the amount of people viewing the videos about PUBG on stuff like Twitch, which led Fortnite to go, hang on, we could very easily do this. And you may be wondering in Fortnite, it's very clever. You can on the fly, you can quickly build ramps and bases and walls. And it's like, that's really clever innovation to the uh, to, to the battle royale format. No, that's just an old bit of the old game that they that they kept in, and it is actually a good tactical uh, variety to the to uh, the battle royale genre. But it was there already, and indeed, you can pay to play the original version, which I don't know anybody who actually does. Because why are you going to pay for the bit of the game that nobody talks about? Let's play for free the bit that everybody does talk about. So. That's Fortnite, that's Battle Royale, that's PUBG. But of course, you might be sitting there going, well, you know, if PUBG was breaking all the rules and then, uh, you know, all the records, I should say, and then Fortnite comes along and blatantly copies them, didn't that annoy PUBG? Yes, yes, it absolutely did. And actually in Korea, they took Fortnite to court. And, um, you know, this is where you have to be careful about this stuff because, of course, as I've already pointed out, PUBG didn't invent the battle royale genre it had already been a movie it's named the whole genre is named after a movie it wasn't something like that but then you have to start arguing about our mechanics of the game something that's copyrightable i'm not going to get into the middle of all this mess but um it does show you how if you as soon as you come up with a good idea people copy it and there's nothing wrong with that it's a bit like the bullet time special effect in the matrix when you saw it in the matrix in 1999 you sat there and went wow i've never seen anything like that before and within 3 years pretty much any action movie had some version of bullet time in it because it looked cool and everybody else wanted their movie to look cool and suddenly nowadays people going back to the matrix go yeah, yeah i've seen all that before yes but that's what started it so i guess you're going to have to accept that you know flatter uh, copying is the best form of flattery okay and the thing is though we are talking about real money here pubg was making lots of money and pubg is definitely withering on the vine and fortnite's here now but the thing is like any of these things that blow up huge is they very rarely last for a long old time remember fidget spinners 
remember those little rubber band things that you would sort of like tie together and create these things. I've now even forgotten the name of those. But the point is, those were really big deals over one summer and nobody bothered with them after that. Now, I'm pretty sure that a video game's going to last longer, and Epic Games is aware of this. We're already on season five, where each season they introduce new things, like jetpacks, for example, or shopping trolleys that you can slide down ramps, and eventually vehicles too. So they're always adding something new. There's a reason to come back and play some more. But this game in this format has been out for less than a year, and this is season five, you are going to run out of ideas, and fundamentally it's a running around shooty game, which, just ask, any of the big shooty games out there, people get bored of you, people move on. If you are the coolest kid on the block, then you will not be the coolest kid on the block in 10 years' time. It's just fashion beats you every time. The other thing is, because this is free, this is played by a lot of people which don't necessarily have a lot of money. They're called children, and they get distracted, and they get suddenly there's something else cool and interesting out there. So, whereas right now, Fortnite is a phenomenon, the reason why I'm doing a podcast about it now in the second half of 2018 is because now's the time to talk about Fortnite. If you are listening to this in a couple of years time, you might be sitting there going, oh yeah, I remember Fortnite. I wonder what happened to that. So things move on. But allow me to get to the economics bit, because how are you able to make more than $300 million in a month from a free game? And the reason about this was Economics was invented in the year 1776. Yes, America's very proud of 1776 being the year of the Declaration of Independence. We're not going to go there. But actually something more important happened in 1776. How could it be more important than Declaration of Independence? Well, it's worth pointing out to Americans that you didn't become independent in 1776. That was, it wasn't even the start of the war. That was 1775. And the shooting started, continued till 1780, 81. And uh, peace wasn't signed until 1783. So really what happened in 1776 didn't change the world immediately. However, in Scotland, there was a gentleman called Adam Smith, and he wrote a book called On the Wealth of Nations. And that did change the world completely in 1776, because he invented economics. With one book, he was trying to explain entire systems of money and finance, and how it isn't just individual events. These things are interconnected. There is this web, and that's economics. And so you have one guy inventing an entire new discipline in one book. Well done, Adam Smith. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Things like the invisible hand, for example, you can date all the way back to Adam Smith. But obviously that shows you economics is a relatively new discipline. And throughout the 1800s, there was lots of conversation about lots of different ideas and how much government should perhaps intervene in, in the free markets and so on and so forth. But one of the things that was taken for granted for quite a long time is that people bought what they needed. When you are hungry, you uh, have a problem. I'm hungry, so I will go and buy some food. Or I will anticipate the fact that I'm going to be hungry in a couple of days' time, so I will go to the local market, buy some stuff, and keep it in my house for a couple of days, and that keeps the family fed for a couple of days. That is consumption. That is a necessity that we're going to need to do. Oh dear, my shoes have fallen to pieces. I will need to buy some new shoes. But then, round about just at the turn of the 1900s, you then have something called conspicuous consumption. And this is where they worked out that rich people spent their money on things they just simply didn't need. After a while, there's only so many bits of food you can eat. There's only so many pieces of clothing that you need. And after that, it becomes pointless. So why? Why have too many suits? Why have a house that's too big for your needs? And the simple answer is, it's showing off. And human beings do like to show off. It's something that we do. You know, if, for example, a young woman that wishes to show off might well get her hair done, might well wear makeup. Now, actually, young women don't need any of this stuff to be attractive, but it's a great way to perhaps even further enhance your assets. And things like cosmetics are ridiculously expensive for what they are. Uh, young guys will spend a ridiculous amount of money on a top, of which, as speaking as a married man and father of two, I don't do so much anymore. Or they might spend a ridiculous amount of money getting the windows uh, of their car tinted, which doesn't help anything, but makes them feel cool. Coolness, being seen as socially superior, maybe not financially superior, this is all linked to conspicuous consumption. And clearly, Epic Games understands that because the more people who have Fortnite, the more people might be watching you on Fortnite. And as I said, if it's a hundred people all shooting at each other, trying to be the last person standing, well, at the beginning, nobody's paying any attention to you. But as the numbers whittle down, more and more people are watching you until it's maybe the last three or four, and you might have 20, 30 people watching you. So don't you want to look good? And therefore, all these cosmetic enhancements are there to potentially say, hey, do you want to have the latest, 
this is the season five fashion. Do you really want to look like a season three person? And indeed, I'm not going to get into the, the jargon for all this, but there are people out there who specifically hunt down people who are wearing the vanilla, the standard outfits, because the argument is you're not supporting this game financially. Oh, aren't you a cheapskate? We're going to get you. So now we've got almost sort of social hunting going on about people who aren't displaying conspicuous consumption. And indeed, apparently, out of all the millions of people who uh, are playing Fortnite, or at least have played Fortnite, the average spend is about $80. And you simply don't need that amount of, uh, of money. on a, You know, like I say, this doesn't give you any edge to the game. This is just purely getting a new dance style or a new helmet or outfit, or even as you float down, uh, a sort of a new kind of umbrella or parachute. So, so you look cool and interesting and people will compliment each other. People take photos of this and share them on things like Twitter or Twitch or even, you know, on the front, on the front of your PlayStation home and everybody else in your group and friends on PlayStation or on Xbox Live will be able to sort of see what you've done. So it's about sharing a little bit of bragging, bit of conspicuous consumption going on there. And if it didn't work, Epic Games would have shut down Fortnite ages ago. But right now, they're making a load of money. I did say on average, I don't want people to start freaking out going, oh my God, is my kid spending sort of $80 a month on this? First of all, that was $80 in total throughout the entire lifespan of the game. And secondly, that's an average. So there are things called whales in the freemium world. I will tell you the jargon on this. Those are the ones who pretty much always buy stuff. And, uh, the, you know, the, the latest, newest, you know, they're probably somebody with disposable income who really loves this particular game. And therefore, they're the ones you want to keep happy. They're the ones, and, and they will spend hundreds, thousands on this game. And therefore, you need to pay more attention to them than little Billy or Katie who've spent $10 and they've been playing it for nine months because little Billy or Katie are clearly using their pocket money and actually they would rather spend it on something that they perhaps can hold in their hot little hands. And yeah, what this boils down to is digital dress up. None of this is interchangeable in the real world. It means nothing apart from status in an area that you care about. So that's how all that works. But that's the stuff from a hundred years ago. Now I'm going to take you back more than 2,200 years. And I want to talk to you about gladiators. I'm going to give you a little bit of a, of a setup about gladiators. Quick plug here. This is from my, my own book, The Romans in a Hundred Facts. This is fact 12. Funnily enough, it's about gladiators. So if I may, I'm going to read this out to you. While the exact origins of gladiatorial combat have been lost in the mists of time, Roman writers agree that they took the idea of ceremonial combat between thieves or slaves from another culture, likely to be Etruscan. The Etruscans were the ones that ruled Italy before the Romans, and indeed, in the very, very early founding of Rome, around about 700 BC, at that point, if you looked at the peninsula of Italy and said, who's going to be the winners, you would have put your money on the Etruscans, not Rome. So the Romans do actually come quite late to the, the classical world. The first story about gladiators in a Roman chronicle appear in the 260s BC, on the occasion of a funeral. 
Decimus, Iunius, Brutus, Scavia commemorated the passing of his father by having six gladiators fight in pairs to the death in Rome's cattle market forum. So there was no specific stadia set up for them. They just were fighting in presumably a little scratched out circle and a crowd cheering and Roman funerals were quite elaborate. For example, people might be paid to actually be professional mourners. So you would actually turn up and cry at a complete stranger's wedding. But obviously, if you had a lot of people crying and mourning the passing of this individual, they looked very important. But then somebody thought, hey, Let's get slaves to kill each other at a funeral. Maybe that'll bring in the crowds. And it did. 50 years later, so we're now in the 210s BC, the more familiar displays of gladiatorial combat had become popular, but they were still linked to pagan rituals and specific events rather than taking place purely for entertainment. The games were blood-soaked spectacles of violent combat, with men fighting other men, often criminals, and sometimes wild animals. Later on, they did indeed have female gladiators as well. Pretty much anything that could catch people's attention, a little bit like Fortnite. People got used to the format, they started getting a bit bored about it, so maybe we do more of them, or maybe we do them against wild animals, or maybe we do them like you see in the movie Gladiator. You have a bunch of gladiators reproducing or recreating, reenacting a certain battle. These things genuinely happened. Uh, So, uh, gladiators frequently became the celebrities of the day. Uh, Indeed, something like gladiator sweat uh, was thought to cure cure epilepsy in Roman times. As the years rolled by, the events got bigger, with the peak coming in the late Republic and early Imperial eras. The Colosseum was built between AD 70 and 80. So we are now talking about 300 years into gladiatorial life. And so you can see the evolution now that now we have this colossal stadium, which stadium, which the Colosseum, you know, obviously if it wasn't a ruin, could seat similar numbers to what you'd see in a football t- uh, football match today. So, I mean, it really could deal with large numbers of people. Uh, so, you know, it could seat about 60,000. It was never actually called the Colosseum by the Romans. Instead, it was referred to as the Flavian Amphitheatre, bit like you want lots of people at your funeral. Well, the Flavian dynasty, including people like Tiberius, for example, wanted to associate their name with this incredibly popular place where thousands, tens of thousands of citizens from Rome would all congregate. You want them to remember you positively. By now, the bigger games would last for days and involve hundreds of gladiators. They were a sign of imperial power, and only the emperor could provide spectacles such as a mock naval battle. On that occasion, the Colosseum had a temporary lake installed, and this happened only once as the subsequent construction of underground rooms made it impossible to repeat. So again, if you think for a moment for the movie The Gladiator, uh, you you get things like the people popping up out of the floor and sort of wild animals sort of being winched up on sort of uh, platforms. That was all true. That all actually happened. There was a lot of money and technology spent on creating spectacle at the Colosseum. Farther afield, local dignitaries might sponsor their own displays in places such as Syria or Britain. While even these were horrifyingly expensive, they were still small time compared to the main events happening 
in Rome. The name gladiator comes from the gladius, a short sword favoured by the infantry of the Roman legions. The weapon itself wasn't Roman, however, but was of Spanish origin and was thought to have become the weapon of choice after the Roman conquest of Spain during the Second Punic War. So that's roundabout, give or take, in the 200s BC. I won't go into the Punic Wars now. In a way, Gladiator was the wrong name for these fighters, as they used a myriad of weapons in a number of scenarios. A Retarius, for example, would be only lightly armoured and carry a trident and net. No Gladius to be seen. The Samnite is what we today think of as the typical Gladiator, armed as he was with a Gladius, a rectangular shield, and a full-face metal helmet, with some protective armour. But there were at least a dozen variations. The Gladiators were slaves, surprisingly sometimes female, but at least half a dozen emperors had a go in the arena. The combat was generally rigged in their favour. The decline of the empire and its resources, combined with the rise of Christianity and the banning of pagan events, put an end to these games. But they didn't finish because they weren't popular. They were finished because the empire was diminishing and because Christianity was saying, maybe we should stop killing each other in an arena. But what was interesting is at the very end of the gladiatorial era, it wasn't slaves fighting anymore. It was citizens. This was your chance to show off your skill, to show how great you were. If you're a blacksmith by day, you could be a celebrity by night as being a gladiator. As I said, you know, there's a hugely popular form of entertainment. And it's that that you can absolutely tie back to something like Fortnite. I guess we've always wanted a little bit of a thrill of how good are we really? Yeah, wouldn't we love to be adored by loads of people? If you like, you could argue there's a little bit of this game in something like Facebook and Twitter. How many followers do you have? How many likes do you have? I've asked you to like and subscribe and obviously share these podcasts. This is to grow the audience numbers, but generally it's nice to be liked. You just can't deny that. So Fortnite, if you like, is... Although it's very new and very modern, it's also very much tapping into what makes us human. We kind of like to show off. We kind of like to be able to show our skills. We like a little bit of conspicuous consumption. It might have been given a term round about 1900, but you can see going back through history, people have been showing off way, way, way back. Even at the time of one of my favourite finds ever in the whole of the British Museum, is in the area which is sort of Stone Age. It's actually, I I think it's very late Paleolithic. Let's let's not get into the details here, but this is the thing that tickles me, okay? You are aware of what a stone tool is, and this was basically a a stone cutting edge, but the, the hilt which you held onto had clearly been chipped away to reveal what looked like stitching. So in other words, this person had created one of the first knockoffs in history. Although clearly other stone tools had a real leather sheath around it, uh, something to grip onto. This one had been chipped away. They, did, they didn't have leather, either they were too poor or none was available to make this stone tool look like it had a leather sheath around it. So that's an example, very early example of conspicuous consumption. Even things like gold, admittedly, much easier to smelt than something like uh, copper or steel. Uh, then, you know, gold is a very early thing. And we can, we can see adornments, very early adornments. We can see bone artifacts with little 
with sort of holes punched to it, were clearly worn as some kind of necklace with sort of basic detail scratched onto them. None of this is necessary. But hey, I'm the one with a bone necklace. What have you got, Mr. I don't have anything around my neck? Ooh, aren't you a barbarian? You're so Paleolithic. Hi, welcome to the Mesolithic. <laughs> a, a joke there, there for all the uh, all the people who like uh, Stone Age archaeology. So yes, we. I think we all like to show off a little bit. I think we all like to prove our skills. And Fortnite is free. You could give it a go this evening. But... To those thinking that Fortnite is a, a new evolution, it isn't really. And I can't see anything, something else that history teaches us, that if you are a big deal very quickly, then you go away. There are many games, many pastimes that were huge, huge things centuries ago that you've never heard of. So I'll leave you with that thought there about Fortnite. But indeed, um, tell me your Fortnite stories. Was there a hilarious time where somebody thought that they got you and then you were able to turn around in a small room and shotgun them? Or was there that cool exotic weapon that you managed to pick up out of the blue and you couldn't believe your luck? Or are you one of the people who managed to find the clay pigeons in Season 5? I'll leave it with you. Thanks very much for listening to Neon. More Neon goodness coming soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.